0: Hi, my name is Roger Yates. I'm an ethical vegan from Dublin, Ireland, originally from Yorkshire, England. You can Google me on on human non-human relations. You're listening to the superb coexisting with non-human animals.
1: I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully.
2: Vegetarian. Vegan. Yeah, Let's well- get it right.
0: You used the word animals, but I suppose what you should have said is non-human animals.
3: Hello and welcome to episode 37 of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals, with the fantastic title of Hey, 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 na, 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 na. All will be explained shortly. This episode will serve as a catch up for all the stories I've missed. I should start off at first by playing some more news coverage about my last episode's topic. Animal rights group SAFE and their multi-million dollar welfare campaign.
4: Farmers groups say a millionaire's offer to pay farm workers tens of thousands of dollars to report animal cruelty is nothing more than a publicity stunt. A $2 million fund is being set up by former Kathmandu clothing company owner Jan Cameron who wants to eradicate cruel factory farming practices by paying workers to dobbin the boss. Juanita Copeland reports. These animal rights protesters picketing an international dairy conference hadn't actually heard of Jan Cameron's two million dollar reward offer, but their views on intensive farming are just the same as the reclusive Australians. These cows are treated as, as machines, as as, uh, as as machines to to, to produce milk, and uh, and uh, no thought is given into to their welfare. Cameron now lives in Tasmania after selling her outdoor apparel company Katmandu for $360 million. Now she's bankrolling a $2 million fund to stop animal cruelty on factory farms. It's just the appallingly bad lives that these animals have to suffer until they're killed. She's offering farm workers up to $30,000 to daub in their bosses for animal cruelty as long as it leads to a successful prosecution.
0: So if they bring this information forward, we will then uh, offer them some money, mainly to compensate them, because they could well lose their job as a result.
4: Cameron still has interests here, but farmers say this latest investment is a waste of money.
0: Most of us live in a very
5: open community. We live in an open environment where any tourist, anybody from New Zealand can drive down the highways and byways in New Zealand and have a look at um, livestock
4: Prime Minister John Key says he shares Cameron's concerns, though not her methods.
5: I don't think we need a reward for that. If people are engaged in businesses that they believe are in breach of the Animal Welfare Code, they should contact the MAF
2: authorities.
4: Cameron's Cash will also fund a campaign to encourage consumers not to eat factory-farmed food. Juanita Copeland, 3 News.
3: Once more, safe say they are not promoting free range or non-factory farmed animal bits and pieces, but that's certainly how the media covers their angle, and they know that by now. As we all agreed on my last episode, abolitionist vegans wish they would simply promote veganism as the least we can do for other animals, rather than some as yet untit tick 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 entry on their big wheel of future campaigns. Most of us live in a very open community. Yes, well, most of us in New Zealand are not farmers, although the way they talk, we'd be screwed without them. That both our main islands would snap in half and sink, like the Titanic, into the ocean, and in a few decades someone would make a movie about it. I've long been interested in how the farmers shown during Welfare Exposé footage generally run from the news cameras, to be represented by some PR person for their industry. You'd think they'd offer to show the news cameras around their farm, right? I mean, they have nothing to hide, we live in a quote, very open community. In most cases, I'd expect live, unedited footage would speak for itself, without any screaming animal soundtrack overlaid over top. No video effects, uh, why not have the farm owner walk a news reporter through their complete process, from animals being born, to how they live, the actual cages and enclosures, to how they are killed. How could a farm worker claim this bloody one-sided, or bloody out of context? If you wanted to interview me about how I fix furniture for a living, I'd be glad to show you the machinery in my workshop. I'm reminded of the Sunday program's coverage of an Australian farm, reported to have around 250,000 animals, although of course the reporter and television cameras weren't allowed to see the animals for themselves. We had some long shots where the tin sheds must have row after row of pigs, We could see the trotters of one pig, who would no doubt be living the most boring existence I could imagine. This would be too difficult to explain to those bloody townies, who generally think it's a bad thing to have a mother boxed in by steel, unable to move, and standing on concrete all day. The main excuse given publicly about not allowing television reporters and the cameras onto farms is hygiene, that those shabby-looking television reporters in their suits and ties, leather shoes gleaming, must be harbouring all kinds of disease, while the farm workers are of course bubble men and bubble women, moving about the farm in self-contained plastic bubbles, unable to cough on the animals. I mean, come on, I'm waiting for a television crew to challenge this. Farm workers leave the controlled environment that is the farm glass dome sometimes. I mean, I've heard rumours they even walk among the townies and there are no doubt fatal diseases. Whatever process farm workers go through to be around the poor farmed animals, why not do it to the television crew? They can have their blood exchanged with pure artificial blood, their bodies plastic bubble wrapped just as easily as the farm workers. This animal health ban on almost certainly non-vegan television reporters, the actual customers of these farms, is really an elephant in the room, yet somehow gets ignored in every news piece. A little like how safe members such as Hans Creek, a vegan asking for better welfare, are never challenged, but Hans, no matter what we do or not do to these animals, you wouldn't eat their flesh if we paid you. What would be left for safe to say? What, the Dennis Kucinich line? Uh, well, personal choice, uh, I believe Americans deserve to eat the healthiest, best animals, drink the most GE-free, uh, organic milk. Someone is not being honest here. I'm trying to post more to my blog, which you can find at the very snappy coexistingwithnonhumananimals.blogspot.com. My aim is to cover more news stories, okay, as well as to share more videos with my chicken friends, I admit. When I remember, unlike last episode's post, I'll use the page break feature, making short posts with a read more link, so you don't have to scroll. Okay, on to the news stories. Recently... New Zealand has had some shocking weather, a very rare fall of snow in my area, and earthquakes a little further up the
0: South Island. About 5,000 homes in the central North Island and Bay of Plenty are without power tonight thanks to the bad weather that's battering much of the country. Strong winds have brought down power lines and damaged equipment. But it's in the far south where the real damage is being done. That same storm is causing devastating losses on low-lying Southland farms, which are right in the middle of lambing. Annabelle Jackman spent the day in rural Southland assessing the toll it's taking on farmers and their flocks. Annabelle,
1: It's hard to convey just how cold the wind is down here. It feels like it cuts through you. And for the farmers and animals that have been out in it for the past five days, well, they've had enough. These lambs would have fetched $90 at the works next year. Now only their skins are of value. They're worth less than a dollar (laughs) each. Tens of thousands of dead lambs are piling up at farm gates all over Southland. But for farmers like Julie and Donald McCullum, there's more to it than money.
6: I do think it's the mental cost that costs the farmer, um, because he generally feels for his animals. That's why he's in the job. Uh, and uh, you know the profit is hopefully the cream on top.
1: Driving rain has melted the snow now, but the freezing wind and water are just as lethal. Basically newborn lambs, if they're not getting up straight away, um, the ground's that wet and muddy. They're just dying as they're born basically. Um, this morning everything that was born was dead. Farmers are doing everything they can to keep their stock alive, these marooned lambs rescued with the help of a neighbour
0: had to come down and help rescue some cattle from down in the flood with my boat and caught in a Donald a friend of mine here and just get some sheep and then we see some more over here so I give
5: them a hand over here.
1: The storm's been raging for five days now. That biting wind, the hail storms are beginning to wear the McCullums down.
6: You try your best to get them get them going uh, and the hardest thing is you can uh, bring them in and bring the lambs round. And, or get the sheep up and going and then you put them back out the next day they're all back dead again.
1: McCullen says it's time the people of Invercargill took a look at what's been happening outside the city. You
6: know everyone's crying about the stadium falling over but I think there's a lot of sheep and cow farmers in Southland that wouldn't really care about the stadium, no one got hurt.
1: It's that sort of practicality that'll get Southland farmers through one of the worst September storms they've ever endured. Now, it must be doubly frustrating for farmers. After years of poor lamb prices, things look to finally be on the improve. But now, instead of getting close to $100 a head for lambs at the works next year, they're having to throw most of them out to the gate for less than a dollar.
3: Annabelle, thank you. This clip is from the Wellington radio show, Animal Rights and Wrongs.
2: Now I know you were away last week, Eric, um, so you may not have heard. I'm not sure if you uh, listened to last week's show, but I did a bit of a rant, rant about the lack of shelter for our farm animals and inappropriate breeding times, which can leave animals vulnerable to um, unfavourable weather, uh, which we've had. And of course, my rant was sparked when I saw lambs in my neighbourhood and paddocks with um, no real shelter and they were being battered by the weather, and they were pretty unhappy. They were kind of standing like in a cat stance sort of pose. Now, I stressed all of that weekend on behalf of those lambs, and um, I kept thinking about how miserable they must have been. And, of course, my stresses were really realised when... Um, well not so much in Wellington but in the South Island where hundreds of thousands of lambs have since died due to um, the bad weather conditions. Now the Animal Welfare Act it does state that animals must be given shelter although this is clearly not been managed nor enforced by anyone and the requirements of the commercial uh, markets mean that lambs have been born in winter and early spring. Now while much has been said about this recent weather bomb being a freak storm that farmers haven't seen for a long time you would have thought that after all these years of farming in this country that we would have better plans in place and, um, and I know it may be easy for me to say because I'm not a farmer, um, you know I'm, I'm sure there's all sorts of um, problems with um, providing for the animals however surely things such as delayed lambing and more trees and paddocks would go a long way to um, preventing this sort of problem and yes I can hear some of our listeners saying well to heck with the welfare issues let's just stop eating meat altogether and of course um, that could go a long way too to preventing the kind of carnage that we've seen on our farms in recent weeks So um, that's been playing really big on my mind for the last couple of weeks Mm -hmm. and I've noticed on blog sites lots of people have been commenting as well.
3: Mother sheep had just given birth and the few day old babies were basically wiped out by the cold, the wind and the snow. It was difficult for them to even find food. Plenty of coverage was given of the farmers said to be upset about the loss of the lambs. Well, let's be honest here. As mentioned, slink skins, the skins of dead baby lambs, are worth about a buck, compared to the stated $90 for a killed year old sheep. I have to describe what we see in the videos too. Of cat-sized bodies, their white wool coloured brown, grey and green, they look rotten, as the farmers pick up the corpses by a leg and chuck it at a pile of other dead babies. I think it's fair to say, if the farmers' actual concern went to the deaths of these animals, they would instead be running animal sanctuaries. Farms are a business that revolves around using animals, of keeping them alive for their bodily secretions, or killing them for their actual bodies. The real hurt, for the quote, livestock owners, is financial, from their product being worth $90 to being worth a dollar. I look at these disgusting piles of rotten looking bodies and wonder how the hell anyone would want to buy those foul smelling corpses and yet slink skins are used to make soft skin gloves and other apparel. People will be buying that skin once their flesh has been pulled away and made into, quote, cat food, or perhaps dumped down a hole like the, quote, offal pits on a farm. To find out more about slink skins, you can visit slinkskins.co.nz, S L I N K S K I N S dot Quote, Producers of high quality furrows and skins from New Zealand slink, possum and calf skins. Slinkskins Limited supply leading fashion houses and glove makers around the world. With a network of farmers and hunters throughout New Zealand supplying local agents with fresh pelts, Slinkskins has a ready supply of quality skins, which are carefully selected and treated at its source, then transported to the tannery at Thornbury for finishing. Also offered during season is Ovine Placenta. Yum! I have no idea, nor do I really want to know what you would do with the placentas of sheep. Probably some miracle cure that fights signs of aging. No doubt it's pronounced with a thick accent too. Ervin placenta! In ditzy voice, I think it's Esperanto for Fountain of Youth. The skins of dead cows and sheep are described as casualties of nature. Well, at least they don't invent a god to blame. With possum skins labelled a pest, thus making use of this otherwise wasted resource. Think of the dead piles next time you see leather in a fashion house. It may well have come from a dead, rotten-looking baby from the other side of the world. Who in their right freaking mind would buy that? And yet, these disgusting piles are apparently turned into high-quality designer goods. The latest craze, slaughterhouse chic. Uh, Other crazy weather involved earthquakes around Christchurch.
2: Up to 150 farms have been affected by the earthquake, including dairy farms that had structural damage. Agriculture Minister David Carter says reports of damage to essential farm infrastructure were his main concern, and the focus has been on getting the farms up and running again. And speaking of farms, uh, 3,000 battery chickens lost their lives during the earthquake when their cages toppled over at Whedon's Eggs in Christchurch. It took four days before some of the 23,000 remaining hens began laying again. Owner of the farm, Rob Soonis, told the press that he'd been so upset by the quake that he couldn't sleep without the light on. He also uh, was dealing with a shoulder injury and children with swine flu. But um, he says that within an hour of a call for help on Saturday morning, the New Zealand Defence Force had 30 soldiers and an engineer on site, checking the shed's structural integrity. After it was declared safe, they began pulling apart the mangled cages and freeing the hens. Mr. Souness was overwhelmed by the numbers of the volunteers who had helped out and says he doesn't know what he could do in his lifetime to help everyone that has actually helped him. So I'm just wondering if there's any suggestions out there from anyone and um, I can hear a lot of people saying, yes please, uh, what you could do is free the chickens.
3: I can only imagine what it would have looked like inside with the chickens stuck between metal inside each shed. Another news clip involving a fire at a chicken farm.
1: Two firemen have been injured in a fire in a poultry shed near New Plymouth this afternoon. More than 13 fire appliances were brought in to fight the blaze on the private farm. The fireman suffered burns. A 34-year-old is in a serious but stable condition, while his 31-year-old colleague is said to have moderate injuries. Initially, there were fears that thousands of chickens might be trapped inside the building, but the farmer had some good news.
3: I was heating the sheds up to 33 degrees and it looks like one of the gas heaters is caught on fire. No birds involved, thank goodness.
1: So a lucky escape from being cooked for now anyway. There's no word on the cause of the fire.
3: A poultry farm, that makes it sound so humane, right? Imagine again, a shed filled with upset birds being raised to be killed. Thank goodness no birds were inside at the time. Well, no doubt the sheds were in preparations, heating for a new batch of birds to be sped through. There were no birds at the time because the former inhabitants had been killed and the new victims about to be moved in. And to joke about cooking the birds, what a vulgar and humorless joke, although I guess we can just have that duality in our minds. Double think, really, about what a terrible tragedy it would be for thousands of birds to be burned to death in a fire, and yet joke about cooking their corpses individually after we've killed them. I hope by spreading videos of the chickens I care for, that more people will break free from Big Brother's grasp, that I could be Emmanuel Goldstein, and our perceptions of how we see and treat chickens will change, to give these beautiful birds the respect they deserve. As the farmers I speak with online say, where there's livestock there's dead stock, farming animals die all the time. In fact, it's generally the point that they die, albeit in a way profitable to their owner. Another issue that broke was of dairy inductions giving dairy cows abortions. Perhaps many see New Zealand's dairy industry as first-rate, humane, organic, grass-fed, all that jingo crap. There's nothing noble about dairy farming anywhere. Not only do we control the cows' cycles using cedars, which are really giant tampons of hormones which are left in for some time, and when removed they're all covered in pus. We then forcibly impregnate them because, being mammals like us, cows produce milk for their babies. But, having the baby stick around, especially if male, is just another mouth to feed round here. Hell, we can't have that. The milk belongs to me, not the mother, nor her baby. Don't be silly. So, the babies are killed for males, most often as bobby calves, as in they'd be worth a bob or about a dollar to the farmer. They're taken care of as soon as possible to minimise the farmer's losses. And sometimes the pregnant mothers are induced, or really, to use normal language, given an abortion. This clip has some odd distortions. Good evening, how we produce our food humanely is back in the spotlight tonight.
5: This time the misgivings are over the dairy industry.
1: As you buy your milk, yogurt and cheese at the supermarket, you may not be aware of the common practice used to get it there.
5: Farmers say the premature birthing of calves is a valuable management tool, but there are fears it could tarnish our international reputation and threaten our exports.
1: A warning now that some may find the pictures in our story disturbing. Catherine Wheat has been investigating the ethical
6: dilemma and joins us now live from northern Manawatu. Good evening. Well, milking has started in a lot of dairy sheds, like this one, across the country. But for a cow to produce milk, it needs to have a calf. And not all cows in a herd calve at the same time. So farmers are faced with an ethical dilemma. Do they wait for those late cows to calve naturally? Or do they induce them so their calves will be born dead, but they can start producing milk with the rest of the herd? The reality on many dairy farms. One News has obtained these pictures from a South Island property. It shows dead calves which have been deliberately born prematurely. The practice is called inducing. It's carried out by vets and farmers so all the cows in a herd calve at the same time and produce milk earlier.
0: It's
5: humane. Uh, I mean, the ethical dilemma all farmers face and even my grandfather and great-grandfather did as farmers that to get milk production you have to you have to um, destroy some calves.
6: About 200,000 cows are induced in New Zealand each year. The vet gives the cows two injections so their calves will be born eight to twelve weeks premature. Most are born dead and some alive. Canterbury farmer Graham Wells is inducing about 70 of his cows this year.
0: There is a small financial benefit there however the main reason is just getting those cows to be Carving at the right time of the, of the year.
6: How does it make you feel when you see these dead calves in the paddock?
0: The, if the management process is done properly
3: there aren't very many of them that are, are alive and any that are still alive are humanely euthanized. How? Um, on our farm with a firearm.
6: This footage was filmed by a former employee of another South Island farm. It shows this premature calf struggling to survive after its mother was induced. The farm owner would not speak to us on camera, but defended the practice. More inductions are carried out here in the South Island. The herds are bigger, so more cows are induced. For example, the average size herd here in Canterbury is about 700, so some farmers will induce up to 100 cows. Inductions were introduced 40 years ago, but it's becoming an ethical issue that's dividing the dairy industry. Years ago I, did, I was part of inductions and I've changed my mind since then. Most vets we talk
4: to want it stopped. Times have changed, public perceptions change and the requirements of overseas markets change. So this is just moving on and acknowledging that and, and phasing it out. Inductions are legal, but the government's code of welfare for
6: dairy cattle says it's best practice not to do them on healthy animals. The industry originally agreed to end inductions in October, but it's since decided to gradually phase them out.
0: Nobody realises what we actually do in this industry and how cruel it really is. And um, New Zealand could seriously pay a price if this gets out. I don't
1: see any, any brutality in
6: it, um, given that it's done under the management plan. Risks to animal welfare are well managed. Fonterra doesn't support the practice, but still collects milk from farmers who induce. If inductions were banned, however, the Vet Association says milk production in New Zealand could fall. Well, there's no strict auditing of the inducing practice. Some vets I've spoken to say they simply refuse to do it and others claim that they feel they're bullied into it by the farmers so it's becoming a very controversial issue and the only way to stop it is if the Agriculture Minister legislates to ban it or the drug used is deregulated. Until then, it will be used until it's phased out. Thanks, Catherine. Catherine Weed reporting live from northern
1: Manawatu.
3: In the video, we saw vets giving the injections and then saying about how much they don't like giving the cows abortions. Well, if you don't want to be doing that, why are you doing that? Why are we doing this to animals at all? It's sick, it's revolting. And to hear the talk of, oh, we can't do this to cows because it might hurt the nation's image, our brand. It's wrong to give females hormones, to force them into pregnancy, to take away and kill their sons or force their daughters into further dairy servitude. Because of what we're doing to the animals, and not because it might tarnish New Zealand's image overseas. About the audio distortions too, I don't know what that's about. New Zealand robots sound a little more like this. The distant future, the distant future. It is the distant future, the year 2000. We are robots. The world is very different ever since the robotic uprising of the mid-90s. There is no more unhappiness Affirmative We no longer say yes Instead, we say affirmative Yes, affirmative Unless it's a more colloquial situation With a few robo-friends There is only one kind of dance The robot And the robo-boogie Oh yes, two kinds of dances Finally, robotic beings rule the world The humans are dead, the humans Humans are are dead, dead. we use poisonous gases, and we poison their asses, the humans are dead, she's
0: right, they are dead,
3: the humans are dead,
0: they look like they're dead,
3: it had to be done, I'll
0: just confirm that they're dead,
3: so that we could have fun, affirmative, I poked one, it was dead. From the clip, any that are still alive are humanely euthanized. Right, whatever could that mean? Well, the farmer reports, thinking of how to explain this to the bloody townies watching on television, they're humanely shot to death. Yippee! Let's give them a medal for using the right lead-free bullets. I mean, shooting a baby animal who you're forced to be born prematurely for profit. Shame on them. Other farmers I've heard from secretly admit to being, quote, hammer jockeys, taking to the calves with a hammer. Hey, bullets cost money, you know. Some farmers are fighting over this. Hey, that's not, quote, humane. It doesn't have the grand and she'll be right, mate, seal of approval. Why, animal welfare groups haven't spent millions telling us it's ethical. I make sure to ask why they are harming and killing animals in the first place. And all of the time I've been speaking with farmers on these issues, their basic answer is that I'm wrong, I'm stupid, that I smell like poopy, keep in mind many of them are three times my age, and that we are allowed to eat animals as long as we do it, quote, humanely. And who's out there promoting all this free-range, humanely-slaughtered nonsense? The animal welfare groups. If animal advocates would speak clearly against all animal use, and to promote veganism, then these arguments would absolutely fall apart. The induction story was big here. It was spoken of publicly and took over the news for some time. The general consensus seems to be that farmers don't like doing it, they might think it to be inhumane, but that it's being phased out. I love that term, phased out. It's near meaningless. Oh yeah, we'll probably stop doing it in five years or so. The problem, as the dairy farmers see it, is that male calves are born. All kinds of genetic tricks have tried to prevent this, including choosing to produce only females, cows, by tricks of artificial insemination selection. I heard about this twist from the farmers online. The boss man, Sir Henry van der Hayden, chairman of Fonterra, our large dairy empire, actually uses inductions on his own properties, although he sure didn't want to say that on camera. In this video, he's ambushed about it during a routine interview, and moves to leave his chair and to shout down the reporter.
6: Okay, I mean, I am under the understanding that you induce
5: cows on your farm. Is that right? Hey, we weren't going to go here. Uh,
6: do you do you induce cows on your farm? No, 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 no. No, but no, I'm just no, asking no, you no, no, hey, you hey Catherine, Catherine, your, Catherine. Your, hey, Catherine, hey, this do wasn't... Do you induce cows on your farm? Do you induce cows on your Pitaurauru farms? Sorry? Do you induce hey, cows um, on your Pitaurauru
5: hey, farm? Yes, I do induce cows on our Patero farm. But like hey, I'm exactly the same part of, um, I will stick to what Fonterra's rules are.
3: I love it. I'm going to try that technique when discussing veganism with people. I'll just shout them down. Hey, 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 na 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 Hey, 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 na 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 It really looks effective. Certainly, we can see why they pay Vander Hayden the big bucks. Hey 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 no 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 hey 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 no 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 <Carson> Hey! Mm-hmm. no
5: no 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 I no 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 no
3: is an inspired debating technique. Here's the rest of the interview. It must have been torture for van der Hayden. Aren't
6: Fonterra's rules against inducing and trying to phase it out?
5: Hey, hey, we're phasing it out and we're going down to zero and that's exactly what's going to happen on my farms.
6: I understand that you induce over 300 cows this season. or well, You have induced over 300 cows this season.
5: You understand that? No, I don't think that's correct.
6: I've got evidence to show that you've induced over 300 cows on your farms well, Hey, well,
5: you'll have to show that to me.
6: Okay, but is that that correct? Do you induce induce a few hundred cows on your farms?
5: Um, It's the percentage that we need to get down to zero, and um, I will stick with that across our farms.
6: Okay, and so are you near zero? Because I understand this season it's 15% that you're allowed to induce, and and you're inducing close to that.
5: No, we are significantly below 15%, but we're going to track down to zero over a period of time.
6: And how long is that going to take? Because, I mean, obviously there's a phase-out that's been supported by the industry to take it down to 0%. Yeah,
5: and that's what I said. Um, over the next three or four years, that's what we're going to do.
6: And so why do you induce cows on those farms?
5: Well, it's like many other farm farms. It's about driving um, productivity.
6: So when you say driving productivity, the milk's more valuable, obviously, than the calves?
5: Um, it's to get the cows to produce milk over a longer period of the season, which is productivity.
6: Okay, so productivity is your ultimate focus?
5: Well, it's productivity in a sustainable way and sticking to what's actually allowed, and that's what we do on-farm.
6: So obviously, Fonterra supports phasing out the practice. Yes, we do. You're the boss of Fonterra. You induce your cows. Surely that looks quite hypocritical.
5: Um, But I'm supporting I'm supporting phasing it out over a period of time.
6: But you're still inducing your cows?
5: I've said yes to that, but we're going to stick to phasing it out over a period of time.
6: So next year, will you still induce your cows?
5: A bit early to say, um, but we are phasing out you know, over the period of time that's been nominated.
6: But I mean, if you're trying to phase it out, and Fonterra's leading the charge in this with Federated Farmers, you're the boss of Fonterra, and you're inducing your cows. Surely that's not a good look.
5: I will stick to the rules to what's been put put in place and be treated the same as anybody else.
6: But obviously you're not everybody else because you are in charge of our one of our biggest companies, a Correct. huge dairy giant. And I mean in terms of reputation on world markets inducing doesn't look very good.
5: Well, I'm I'm proud of the position um of course. You know um and I expect our farms and my farms to actually stick to the rules, and that's, and that's what's happening.
6: And are you sticking to the rules?
5: Yes, I am, absolutely.
6: So what are the rules?
5: Well, the rules are that um, over a period of time, um, inductions will be eliminated, um, and, we go, and we go down to zero, as, as we've already talked about.
6: Okay, so, so you're with, within the rules now, so how, what's the percentage that you induce then?
5: Hey, I'll have, just have to go back and check the numbers, but obviously it looks like you know more than I do.
6: But, I mean, okay, so it's over a couple of hundred cows that you induce. Is that within your percentages?
5: Of course it is.
6: How do you know that, though? You're just saying that you don't know that.
5: No, I know that we're actually within, that we are within the percentages.
6: Are you sure about that? Yes, I am. So how many cows do you have in total?
5: Um, I'd have to go back and check somewhere about sixteen or 1,700, 1,500 to
6: 1,600. And, and so then you induce about 300, butchers within that 15% threshold? I, I'd have
5: to go back and check that.
6: So you you don't know whether you are in the limits?
5: No. um, I do know that we are below the thresholds.
6: Okay. And so with with inducing, I mean, Fontiera's position next year, what will Fontiera's position next year be?
5: Well, we'll have to go back and actually check, um, and I'm happy to go and get those numbers for you. Yeah. Because uh, it cascades down to zero over a period of time.
6: Okay. So, but I mean,
5: ultimately, what's your ultimate goal in relation to the oh, producing uh, hey, very, on farms? Oh, very, very clear that um, we get down to zero. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think we've stated that, that um, inductions get eliminated.
6: But you haven't eliminated them yet? No. So how much longer do you think you'll continue?
5: Well, we've already talked
3: about this, you know, um, over the period of time, which is three to four years. These are all standard dairying practices and it doesn't make much sense to spend millions of dollars and more importantly our time on petitions asking for these to be banned. We should instead focus on what we ourselves do as people, as consumers and promote veganism to others. I admit we won't get as many cool statements from dairy chairmen, hey na 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 na, na 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 but it's the ethical thing to do. I should point out Henry van der Hayden. Many, seemingly the majority, of Southland dairy farmers are Dutch, I have no idea why. I can imagine a Dutch man, walking about in his wooden shoes, enjoying the produce from an Amsterdam coffee shop, when he receives a vision. I know, let's jump on a 20 odd hour plane ride to the other side of the world, to a country best known for three movies about elves and hobbits. Let's be Southland dairy farmers. A dairy story I'd missed covering were robot milking machines here in my region of Southland, the small town of Winton. Yes, these fairly large red machines that look sort of like an automated car wash admit one cow at a time. A gate closes behind her, the cups attach themselves, probably laser guided, to her teats and away the machine goes. There's mention of the machine cleaning the cow as well. Perhaps they really are just hot-wired car washes after all.
4: Four robot milking machines are helping a Southland dairy farm to produce record quantities of milk. Apparently, the cows are quite taken by the Dutch-designed milking machines, which can also feed and clean them. As Dave Gooselink reports, the farmer's rather fond of them too.
0: Milking time on Bill Overgaard's farm near Winton, but there's no need for herding. His cows happily wander in from the paddocks, lining up politely for their turn inside the robotic milking system.
5: Different, different total lifestyle than a normal dairy farm.
0: The farm milks all year round with four robots servicing the 320 strong herd 24 hours a day.
5: You come one o'clock in the morning, there are always cows here. Yeah, 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 that's right. Or you come three o'clock in the morning, or five o'clock, always cows here. Yeah.
3: They can come to the shed whenever they like. They're a lot freer, they can do whatever they want. You can see they're really healthy.
0: The system electronically scans each cow, cleaning them and attaching suction cups. And to keep them happy while they're being milked, the robot also feeds the cows. Since introducing the robotic milking system here, production's increased by around 20%. Robots also take care of messy jobs, like cleaning the floors, and distributing and moving silage. Electronic cow collars send data back to the main computer system, giving staff an instant picture of each animal's health and productivity. They probably spend more time looking at the computer, Find out more about the cows, and also picking up things that um, before you'd actually notice on a normal conventional system. The systems are common in Europe, but there's still only a handful here. At an initial capital outlay of over $200,000 per robot, the system can take 7 to 10 years to pay for itself. But Overgar says it frees him up to do other jobs, leaving the robots to keep on milking until the cows come home. Dave Gooselink, 3 News. It's not really
3: said, but under the guise of all this increased productivity, it should be mentioned that this very high level of automation will be putting many milkers out of business. The farm owner will basically buy a couple of these machines and put them in a shed, and as long as food and water are taken care of, it's really like egg laying hens in battery cages. The floor cleaning machines look like giant Roombas, the consumer robot cleaner. What with talk of cow cubicles and moving to indoor systems for dairying, if we did believe in any sort of quote, animal welfare through farming, it's decreasing because of productivity, simply more money can be had by treating the animals, (laughs) I mean farm property, in this manner. It really is a hellish glimpse of the future. The ads for New Zealand dairy focus on our beautiful green grass, gentle hills, white snowy mountains, blue rivers, meadow fresh. But the future, even the present, are muddy sheds with equipment all around. I've been to a working dairy farm once on a school visit, I don't think any of us city kids could forget how crappy it was, literally. Without gumboots, you'd be in a terrible mess. It felt like half a foot of cow uh, waste made up the road towards the milking sheds. This is never featured in the dairy ads, which focus on the green grass, remember. In reality, the animals are covered in their own waste, and within the milk itself are somatic cells, the, S- the SCC somatic cell count is monitored. You know, infections, white blood cells, uh, pus. There is nothing ethical about dairy farming. Now arguments are being made for indoor dairy farming. Oh, it saves the cows having to walk as far. They stay warmer out of the rain, they have brushes to rub up against, and they sleep on mattresses. Right. It's being done for greater profits, less costs, and no other reason. And now, even the workers are going to be put out of business when teams of men and women are replaced by a machine or two, which can work around the clock and without pay. To see these beautiful cows, if you don't look at the uh, cow waste, they're walking through and they have it on themselves, they have these massive collars on, with some sort of RFID tracking chip, so the system knows the cow, I mean, uh...
2: Dairy Unit 24601
3: has reported for duty. Commence milking program.exe. They really are treated as things, now we're turning them into cyborgs, I mean, for decades perhaps centuries we've tagged their ears, piercing their ears, and leaving large bits of plastic for ID hanging out. Soon we'll no doubt have them injected with RFID chips and nanomachines in their blood to fight off infections, as they live in dark sheds and wired into the system, eating soil and green and dreaming of being free. We shouldn't be focusing on this as a welfare issue, but as their rights, we should never be treating non-human animals as things. By promoting veganism, we are helping all animals, not wasting our time asking for their children to be killed, quote, humanely with a firearm instead of being bludgeoned to death with a hammer. And, it's important to note, animal rights are spreading. Veganism is now being promoted worldwide as we all focus on veganism. As we speak of veganism, there are becoming more vegans in the world. Hmm, funny that. I know a form of vegetarians have decided to be vegan because of being around me, of hearing of veganism, and online forums cannot be overestimated. I've taken to lurking on Twitter with a saved search for the word vegan. Whenever it comes up, often every minute or so, I leap onto the tweet and send a reply to the sender. Commonly people will say, Well, I want to be vegan, but it, it sounds hard. I'll reply with a message about how easy it is to be vegan, no matter where you live, even if it is a fourth world country like New Zealand with a socialist healthcare system. Almost all the replies, my random replies, get a positive, with people thanking me for speaking clearly about veganism. I think they expect to get, well, maybe you could just buy, like, the, uh, cage-free eggs and stuff, uh, yeah, from the likes of Peter. And are glad to be treated as adults for once, able to understand how vegans feel, and not wanting to be lied to or treated as if they were very stupid. We're being mocked in mainstream beer ads now. I should mention the theme of the ad. Real men are overweight, lazy, overweight, stupid, overweight, and sensitive to others, uh, overweight. Their hobbies are basically getting drunk, regardless of being at the stage of lives where they're meant to have matured, watching sport, rock music, and uh did I mention being overweight? I know New Zealand is actually the third most obese country in the world. It's shocking how recent ads just accept that these people are their targeted audience, uh loud, stupid, overweight men who should act their age. I think of it as this Homer Simpson effect. Where women are quite empowered in New Zealand, men have long been the target of jokes and stereotypes, and now these are coming true. Where it's oddly seen as unmanly as being tall, not overweight, vegan, and wearing badges saying, I'm vegan and I love you, on your work overalls, Instead, we're meant to gulp down any emotions we have. Mm -hmm. Reach for the nearest beer and hit on the next woman we see. Okay, here's the ad.
4: These are the last real men left. Large shifts towards veganism and vampire-based TV series nearly wiped them out.
1: But here, they're free to live as they wish. (laughs)
4: They grow their own vegetables. Barley and hops, mainly. We don't know why.
1: (laughs) They're so... (laughs) ...graceful.
0: Oww! Frontier. Naturally selected.
3: Yeah, hopefully naturally selected from the gene pool. The Mayans predicted the explosion of veganism in 2012, and by 2014, all non-vegans imploded. I get tired of being seen as unmanly for caring about others, but it's also a good thing that vegans are mentioned in ads now, as many of us have seen those ambush videos where people on the street are asked, do you know what a vegan is? And they have no idea. Well, some of us are looking forward to the day when they answer, I'm vegan. And when it starts with the young too.
7: Hey, you guys! Who wants to eat some jello?
0: Not me. Me.
7: You do, Raphael. You like jello?
0: Yeah, but that is kind of liquidy.
7: Liquidy.
4: Mm-hmm.
7: So Do you do you like jello, Sophia? No. Why?
4: Because it's male cow bones,
7: um, cow skin, and, and pig skin. Those three things make jello. Yes. Mmm. Is that delicious to eat cow bones and cow skin and pig skin, Raphael? Mm. Do we eat cow? We you like to eat cow bones? You do. What do you think of that, Sophia?
4: Not interesting.
7: Sophia, do you eat Jello in your school? Mmm.
4: Um. We were
3: doing a project, and everybody was in
7: jello at me. Did you tell everybody that Jello has cow bones in it? Yes, yeah, but they all laughed at me. They laughed at you? Everybody laughed at you? Even your teacher? No. No, yes, your teacher um, was nice, huh? Who didn't laugh at you? Um, Isabella. And didn't laugh at you. Isabella didn't laugh at you. Who else didn't laugh at you? Sarah. Didn't laugh at you. And Miss Pompey. And Miss Pompey. Those three people didn't laugh at you. Sophia, what happened when they laughed at you? It hurt my
4: feelings.
7: And what did you... And what happened? Were you laughing with them when they hurt no, your feelings? I was what happened?
4: Crying.
7: You were crying. I'm sorry you were crying. So what happened when when you were crying? Were they still laughing at you when you were crying? Mhm. They didn't care that Jello is made with cow bones.
3: They didn't care about anything.
7: They didn't care about anything. What grade are you in? First
4: grade.
7: Are you crying now?
4: Mhm. Still crying.
7: You're still sad. Are you still sad? Tomorrow, what are you going to do? What are you going to tell those people who are laughing at you? Just what?
3: Um, I don't know.
7: What would you like to tell them? Would you say, that was really nice of you to laugh at me? That
3: was really mean.
7: That was really but mean? To, to laugh
3: at
7: me. Are you going to tell them how it made you feel? Okay. Good. So, what do you want to tell everybody about eating jello? IT HURTS THE ANIMALS! <laughs> High five. <laughs> High five, Raphael. No. No? Uh, I'm <laughs> Yes,
2: okay.
7: No! <laughs> okay, Okay, Sophia. Okay Dad. Sophia, tell everybody what they should do when they see Jell-O. Yeah. You, said, you said you should stop eating Jello. <laughs>
3: That sounds like good advice. I'd like to thank Daniel Manahan for letting me use his video clip. The children featured us Sophia, age 6, and Raphael, age 3. It's always great to hear of young vegans of children who have learned how we really treat animals and deciding not to do it anymore. True, some of them grow up and stop talking about their damn chicken friends all the times. For the rest of us, well, me, we still get out there and talk about veganism, showing respect for all animals. Thank you for listening to Coexisting with Nonhuman Animals. You can find the script for this episode, as well as downloads for every episode of Coexisting with Nonhuman Animals, at coexistingwithnonhumananimals.blogspot.com. It's very snappy. If you want to contact me, even just to say you've listened, send an email to jwontdart at gmail.com or on Twitter. Twitter.com slash jaywontdart. I'd appreciate it thank you for listening
5: away from the notion of animals as things and toward the moral personhood of animals the choice is ours if you're not vegan go vegan it's easy it's better for you it's certainly better for the planet and most importantly it's the morally right thing to do